Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force, Qualms of the Force. No, I have no qualms about questions of the Force. And also A's of the Force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ked Napsok. I have no qualms with your lack of qualms, so let's get to the A's. <laughs> we are very excited uh, to take some great questions, as always. But we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player this week. It's special because it could be ending soon. We are still recommending Padawan by Kirsten White. We are on the very precipice of finally reading it and discussing it ourselves. If you want to download your free audiobook today and catch up with us, you can go to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. Ken, any audiobook thoughts? Uh, I wish I, number one, enjoyed them more, but you all should enjoy them more. Uh, but uh, I can't wait to finish Padawan. I, I, we're, we're not choosing Padawan over and over again at the cost of the Great High Republic books out Mm-mm. there. So uh, I guess maybe that's the thing with audiobooks that, that I'm missing out on. You could listen to three at once, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> In stereo, just get as much content as possible. Well, we're looking forward to that and... Uh, all the new High Republic books, uh, which are piling up. We can't wait to dive in and discuss. But for now, we are going to dive into your cues. We've got two from Twitter, two from our patrons on Patreon, as always. And we're going first to Twitter and to Michael Gibbons. Michael says, hi, everyone. What do you think clones were used for before episode two? Dex knew of cloning. 
and that Camino made good ones. But I don't know if you have any other context. I can imagine workforce, but we have droids. Maybe some creepy eternal family legacy for the super rich. Uh, this is great. We have talked about this, but it was so very, very long ago that I'm really uh, excited to dive in because this has always been one of my favorite uh, Star Wars tip of the iceberg questions when Dex says, uh, cloners, damn good ones too, uh, mm-hmm. which implies that uh, they are the cream of the crop. There's a bunch, there's inferior cloners out there, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> frightening to think of. So Ken, where does your mind go with uh, the other uses of clones besides uh, starting a galactic civil war? Yeah, besides that, uh, Michael with a big swing here. I love his answer about, hey, someone's like, you know, we got we have a dynasty want to preserve. Let's clone ourselves and just uh, do different generations of it. That's pretty cool. Pretty sci-fi. I, I can like, I, I can get behind that idea. I was in this. Workforce was definitely my first thought. Uh, just makes a lot of sense. And kind of those who might use it could be a, eh, a little bit of a moral gray area. <laughs> doing it. Which might mean, you know, does, would Camino have a problem with that? Would the uh, Kaminoans have a problem with that, or would they just kind of take the highest bidder, the highest contract? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we can get into the, their morality. Workforce definitely is where I go. But on a smaller scale, actually, I don't know if it would be smaller scale, but like armies or defense forces for richer families. Talking about um, you know, creepy, creepy eternal legacy, but uh, for the super rich. But maybe you know, you have. Um, some count of some uh, lost, uh, you know, uh, civilization in Star Wars, and they they had clones to be their loyal defense force, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. I know the clones might uh, the the clones as we know might be the first big fighting force uh, on that scale for sure. On a smaller, um, you know, a family or maybe even a smaller uh, yet uh, affluent planet, kind of don't want to draft an army, don't want to build an army out of uh, recruits. Let's go to the clones. Yeah. That's what yeah, no, I, I totally agree with a, a lot of the uses, and I agree with what's what's new and different about the clone troopers is, I think, the scale and the advancement in technology, right? Like, uh, it's not just something that everybody knows how to do. It's not like, uh, yeah, Camino bought up extra 3D people printers. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's the, their technology, their know-how, right? That's why we got the great mm-hmm. storytelling in Bad Batch about the Empire going, like, we're going to take your technology and your knowledge, right? Because the the army that we're seeing in uh, Attack of the Clones is new in terms of scale and in terms of just the quality of the clones, right? Uh, So I think I think I think the way I think of like Attack of the Clones, like yeah, the the technology of cloning exists, but this is on another level. It's like saying, hey, you know, we can make you know stealth helicopters. That technology exists, but uh, they just they discovered somebody discovers how to make them on mass you know uh, and perfect quality and all these things um so that that's why i think it's a little bit like why aren't why haven't we heard of a thousand other clone armies you know the same mm-hmm. as this one i believe it, i was looking it up on on wikipedia because we talked about this uh, years and years ago and i believe there was a mention or two in publishing about you know small security forces that kind of mm-hmm. thing that cloning had been used before for that, I think it might have been mentioned in Master and Apprentice. And I don't remember. Right, right. It was like a little side discussion. I remember being excited about it and discussing it at the time because it kind of got into this. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I think workforces, maybe even for specific jobs, yeah. um, workforces for specific environments, right? If you want something built underground, <laughs> you've got some bargain basement cloners and you're like, can you make me, I need like uh, 27 quarren. Can you make me that? Cause I'm building something underwater. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the idea of a defense force or a small scale army. I think that's a, a thing that, uh, again, the publishing side has been really great at and or is doing a really good job at reminding us there are billions of planets mm-hmm. and they all have, you know, communities and conflicts and, you know, minor, I'm sure civil wars on the planet or within the system and, you know, small scale armies for that kind of thing. Uh, I think, I think the the continuing family royalty, that would be a really fun thing to see, right? Because even in the real world, we have this sort of like, sometimes there get got to be some, some of the old inbreeding. (laughs) And what's the ultimate inbreeding of like, Ah, I am going to clone myself. I wanted to no no age, you know, advancement. I'm just going to, I'm going to raise myself. And when I die, uh, I will, the new me will still rule this planet is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good luck. The movie Multiplicity taught us that there's some dangers in that. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then the other one we've talked about, uh, I think, in the in the past is like there's no reason. it Maybe, maybe one of the things that's so advanced about it is uh, just uh, the uh, sheer volume of of skill of the clones. But maybe there were a lot of cloning of like beasts of burden, you know, yes. uh, that didn't have the same level of sentience. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and maybe even beloved pets. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always a weird one too. There's even that, in the, uh, you know, that dance in our world. I, yeah, I love what you're, a, a clone army of dobacks. Yeah, some heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, it, it is one of those great tip of the iceberg Star Wars storytelling that I, you know, I expect it to pop up in in High Republic. Of, yeah, of meeting mm-hmm. some some different earlier clones or a great opportunity for some storytelling in, in different eras, I think. No, I, I right, right there with you on that. And, and Attack of the Clones being such a, a, a sci-fi B-movie style, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. things I know you've celebrated for years and, and even down to Dexter and his diner and coming from that era and uh, the, the comfort and nostalgia of that. I, I think it's perfect for that film. That line has always been uh, intriguing and tantalizing. So you could approach it from a comedy aspect. You know, you got, you know, the chief of bottom barrel clones, uh, that aren't quite there, aren't quite working. And the fact that uh, those in Camino have uh, risen to the top, the cream of the crop of the cloners. It, it, again, we always make ret- references a lot. Lately, it seems like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but you go to Planet Magrathea and they're, you know, building planets. But it, it's going to cost you. And not everyone could afford it. The market <laughs> burst on it. So I'm, I'm fascinated with it. And, and yeah, it's not something that I want to show up all the time in Star Wars, but a little, little sprinkle of here and there. And you're right, Old Republic, uh, excuse me, High Republic. And old, old Republic, but High Republic is a perfect place for something like that to exist. Yeah, yeah. And, and the name check in Force Awakens is great. Of Like, maybe we should have gone with the clone army. Like, suggest it's out there. It's a possibility. But, yeah, I would love, I would love a comedy story as well of, like, old Hondo shows up trying to sell people on his clone-o-matic machine. Like, that's, that's looking sketchy, Hondo. Yeah. Yeah, so you just it would did Dengar pursue that before giving up? And it was like, no, that's not me. I want to stick around. Rothgard Dang is me. Like, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great clone thoughts, uh, Michael. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. We're going to move on to our next question from Tony Porer. Tony says, uh, so we're seeing the price early rebel leaders paid to establish the rebellion. What do you think some of their responses would be to find out all those sacrifices, blood, sweat, and tears would all fall again in a mere 30 years? Uh, this is a, a great question to really put it in the, the eyes, the minds, the souls of Andor, Luthen, Mothma, all these people, uh, Nemec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if they kind of were able to see the trajectory of the galaxy, that this great victory is won against the empire but then this new form of uh, of tyranny a uh, new but similar form of tyranny in the first order rises 30 years later where do you go with this question ken in a weird way that i think they'd understand meaning that that's why they fought and that's what they get the reasons behind it and i think they i think they'd watch the sequel trilogy and be like oh i get the theme that evil returns if you're not, it's always there to return if you're not careful it's a repeating process and you can't completely eradicate people's thoughts and desires and lust for power that's always going to be there. You must remain vigilant. I think they'd be disappointed. I don't – well, yes, they'd be disappointed with the First Order, but they might look at some of the things going on in the New Republic, some of the stuff Leia was facing and understand her plight and and realize that uh, this is how it happens. And I think if they are around or, or you know, who knows who is around or if they were around – um, Nemec, I think they'd join back up. They'd be, mm-hmm. they'd be right there with Leia and never questioning why. Uh, be coming out of retirement, much like a lot of the heroes that joined Leia from the past war. So I think it'd be disappointing. They'd be like, no, damn it, man. We, we fought so hard, but they wouldn't be surprised that the fight has to continue. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I wrote down like a bunch of emotions and I realized I was almost like uh, writing down, you know, the steps of grief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. exactly. But I think it, it it's it's emotionally complicated. But I think the ultimate answer for me is, you know, the end result is kind of uh, pride on how the ga- galaxy ultimately responded to mm-hmm. the First Order. Right. 
Um, yeah. I know this can be, uh, you know, a, a divisive or a hard question for Star Wars fans, especially when if you just watch Return of the Jedi, it's just a little bit of a storybook ending. There's that sense mm-hmm. of Luke being a little bit of bittersweet that he just met his father, but now his father's gone. And but it's it, it can be a fairy tale ending and, and they lived happily ever after. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the sequel trilogy makes it a little bit more real. It makes it a little bit more what Lucas has always said of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. evil is uh, generational. So I, I do understand when sometimes people are like, oh man, they fought for all this and then they lost it. Um, but I think when we were talking about this before, I, I kind of thought about it as like, um, if if somebody pulled you out of the way of a speeding car and you lived happily for 30 years and then you almost got hit by a car again, you wouldn't be, man, that, that first person wasted their time pulling <laughs> you out of the way of the car. You got 30 years of peace. That in and of itself is, is, is a victory, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and there's still cars, you know, in there. Yep. In there, they're always going to be, and you got to be mindful. Yeah. So I, I think for the, for like the pride, you know, there's the, they won the galaxy relative peace for 30 years. Yeah. And then when it, when it resurged, uh, look how quickly the people rose up. Look at everything that uh, a Luthan, a Mothma, a Vel and Andor uh, went through to get the galaxy to wake up to find a way to fight back. Saw, uh, Jin, the Empire had a stranglehold for 19 years. And the First Order fell in like, what, a year and a half, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I think that's even kind of, uh, there's a lot of things in Rise of Skywalker that I think are really tip of the iceberg storytelling. If you you really engage with it and and go, okay, that, that sounds really straightforward, but what does it mean? There, I think there is a lot of depth in Rise of Skywalker, and one of the many lines there is, you know, Poe and Finn's uh, inspirational speech as we watch the Resistance get ready to go to Exegol, and I believe it's, you know, Poe saying, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, what our mothers and fathers fought for, we won't let die, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it is. It, 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 you, you can still feel Nemec's manifesto in what Poe is saying in that moment. It's weird. We stumbled we we dropped our guard and and this evil is trying to rise up again and we are not going to let it take hold. Yeah, there's something powerful and this is looking at it kind of like in story more than outside of story. Yeah, there's some BTS ways to discuss it and, and you're right. Uh, maybe people don't engage with the sequel trilogy simply because ah, it just seems that beat seems repeated or it takes away from the victory in six. I, I get those conversations. We can certainly have them around these parts. There's always going to be what ifs that I like and should haves that I like. Uh, but what we got, I think was pretty powerful and in story. There's the number one, the fight goes on. If we get to a 10, 11 and 12, evil's still going to exist in the galaxy. I, uh-huh. I, I believe that based just on what I'm talking about, but in story that there would be a way, like let's just save uh you know, the spirit of Luthan or, you know, Luthan survives 120. I don't know. And he's sitting there and he's just kind of almost, it almost be like, yes, it, the battle continued. It never really stopped. And this is a more complete victory. That's the way I, I look at uh, the, the end there in Rise of Skywalker. The more of, there's more of us, Poe, that whole inspirational moment is truly of the galaxy. And I think because a lot the galaxy was not in the position uh, to, talking about the people of the galaxy, the beings of the galaxy weren't in a position to fight as much in the Civil War that had to become this military action. We always talk about that. Rad is coming out of hyperspace. It means a lot to me because of that. Uh, they were fighting for those that couldn't fight. And uh, they made that big change. But that the fight had to become of the hearts of the people. It had to become the actions. It had to become the citizen fleet. So maybe they're Nemec or Luthan or those types to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is... Uh, this is the continuation of the journey, the story, and this is what needed to happen um, despite 30 years of so-called peace because it wasn't necessary. It was peaceful, but it wasn't necessarily peaceful for everyone. We're seeing some of the stuff, Amanda storylines, everything like that. Mm-hmm. The unknown regions was going on. So now this is a more honest victory and more complete victory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, and I think it's it's fun to uh, I, I ultimately uh, come down to like, yeah, at the end of the day, pride, but I, I can also see like, yeah, there's frustration, maybe guilt from somebody like, like Mon Mothma uh, questioning could, uh, could have built the new Republic differently, you know? Mm-hmm. So this didn't happen. One, one of the Mothma details that I love that I really want to revisit is it's in the bloodline novel. And I believe it's Leia kind of reflecting that, you know, Mothma tried to build the new Republic with everybody uh, with as much sort of consensus as possible and out of her present her her presence her personality her expertise that structure of government held together because of her 
But when she retired, all of these splinters and resentment grew, you know? Yeah. So I can see somebody like Mothman going like, is there any way I breaking themselves over their coals, right? Of like, is there any way I could have structured it, you know, better to make it a legacy organization yeah. <laughs> that survived without me? Um, I can see somebody like Luthen being angry at the new generation, right? Because there's going to be younger people who didn't fully live through the horror of the empire. They were young and they didn't get it, right? Yep. How could you not, how can you be collecting helmets? You know, like the, the character in uh, Bloodline uh, as well. How can you not understand what we fought for, you know, I think there's, you know, in various ways, some of that in the real world with various, you know, mm-hmm. battles reemerging that, that some people remember better than others. <laughs> Somebody li- people live through more and like, how can you not be more upset about what's happening? I think that, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of different emotions. Do you have any thoughts on those emotions? <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost like Luthen would be, uh, posting memes that say, you know, Keep punching Imperials. He did a picture of Indiana Jones. You know? <laughs> he punched Imperials. You keep punching them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But I think at the end of the day, I, I, I agree with the sort of the pride and even like the acceptance, right? Of like, this is the nature of the galaxy. Uh, the dark side exists, the, you know, pain and, and anger and the temptation to be selfish and use fear to get what you want and give yourself power. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be there. So yeah. the forever question is how to get peace, but then how to keep it. How do you, how do you hold the evil back without giving into paranoia, fear, losing your soul yourself? That's the forever question. Mm-hmm. And it's just so easy to uh, it's easy to forget, like you were touching upon there, and that could be part of the lessons going forward. I would love to see Luthen survive, just show up five years after, maybe seven years after Mando season three, just yell, "We fought for it! Come on!" <laughs> that would be amazing if uh, if uh, Disney Plus did uh, optional Luthen commentary on every Star Wars film. Yeah. Oh, oh, not your problem, huh? It's not, it's not your problem. You're not in it for his revolution, huh? All right, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely great. Look for the Luthen commentaries coming soon to Disney Plus. Any other thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, great question. Great question. It's about the story, but it's also about these uh, these movies, these stories, these trilogies that go on. And we got to find ways to get the storytelling uh, to continue. And I think they found a great theme to drive it forward. Exactly. All right. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our questions from patrons on Patreon back in a moment. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. And we are back with more Cues of the Force. Two cues from patrons on Patreon. Uh, the first one comes to us from Justin Jacobson. Justin says, Hello, Ken and Joseph. I want to thank you for all your insights on Borgullet and his fellow Marians. Uh, Myrans. Uh, after enjoying the first few episodes of Andor, I became fascinated by more of the fine fauna from the galaxy mm. far, far away. This time, an evil-looking four-horned black goat at the rebel camp on Aldani. I nicknamed him Darth Philip after an evil black goat in the horror movie The Witch, and I found myself wanting more Darth Philip appearances across Star Wars whether he is seducing hapless herders to the dark side like his namesake in The Witch or helping out in the final battle like the Rancor in Book of Boba Fett. Have any critters or creatures in Star Wars captured your imagination in this way? What would you like to see them do in future appearances? Uh, I really like this question. I like that movie, The Witch, but I particularly like the goat and I love how much other people like the goat. <laughs> Good old black Philip. Uh, Ken, you're not a big fan of horror films. Have you watched The Witch to see this goat? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm now even more terrified. Terrified. I love goats. I love going to a petting zoo. You take me to a petting zoo, I turn into a five-year-old. I love the goats. So to think of an evil goat, it scares me even more. Just the, oh, the, oh, the, oh, the horror. But yeah, no. That goat looking at you with those knowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I was terrified of goats as a kid because we visited uh, my my aunt kind of lived on in a rural area on a farm. And I don't know if the window was open or broken, but they were at the kitchen table eating and a goat's head just came into the kitchen. It scared the hell out of me. I just love the early days of like, um, not the internet, but the early, early days of like social media, whether it be Friendster or MySpace or early YouTube stuff. I pretty, pretty much just used them to watch videos of goats. <laughs> I, I just, I was, I died, and I'm crying laughing at the, the different goat noises and the word, like, hey, hey, like, I, I, I gets me every time. So uh, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll brave uh, the witch and just watch the, the, the Black Phillip scenes or Dark Phillip scenes. Yeah, Dark just, Phillip. yeah, just watch the best of Philip. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll look for that hive, that goat hive content coming from Four Center soon. <laughs> uh, so to get back to Justin's actual question, what animals are, or creatures are capturing your imagination? Which, which are you wanting to see in larger Star Wars stories? So far, there's so there's so many. There's so mm-hmm. many. It's one of those like I almost there's so many I couldn't think of any, but I, I came up with three answers here. Uh, the the porg for the Millennium Falcon, right? Screaming. Mm-hmm. We always, you and I think it represents the powerful thing of all creatures in on the fight here, right? There's a big purpose to it. So I want that Porg to go on to have a distinct career in the New Republic. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't talk. He's not a talking Porg, none of that. But just he, he never, he, they, he flew back from Crate. He's just survived the whole time. Then, then, then the war out in Exegol happens. But by the way, I'm bummed he didn't show up there. Uh, and then he goes, the new, he's in, he's in the Mothman and Leia's new Republic and he just, he's in the offices and everyone knows that you don't, you don't shoo him away. That Porg is part of the fight and he just goes on hanging around being on the shoulders of leaders. <laughs> so I'll start. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, and slightly maybe more real in the Star Wars story. I would love to see, um, post rise, I guess it would be post rise. Uh, I'd love to have Rose Tico take a trip to Cantonica. And maybe go for a hike outside of Canto Bight. Now, she is not a fan of Canto Bight. I understand that. But I think maybe think times have changed a little bit post uh, the War of Exegol. Maybe she just goes back to, to take in the other aspects of Cantonica. And then she runs into the Father of the Air that she helped escape. And she sees him and know him and they recognize her. And they kind of go on to, you know, you, know you, you hear those stories of, I let a, I had a baby 
lion cub and I released it into the wilderness and then it recognized <laughs> me 30 years later. I would love that kind of sweet moment uh, when that particular group of uh, fathiers runs into Rose. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, this large, happy uh, village of uh, fathiers that uh, mm-hmm. met and mated <laughs> yeah. uh, in honor of Rose Tico. Beautiful. Love and it. My final one is for the horror fans out there. We'll go to Maldo, Cress, and those ice spiders. What mm. if, what if, uh, like, a, 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 like a, a pregnant ice spider gets off planet on a ship and it's like on a capital ship and then it gives birth to all the little baby spiders and they, they keep spawning, they just self-spawn and then they take over a ship like a Star Wars horror film. Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, and somebody has to like collect them and just bring them all to Hoth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is where you need to be. Yeah, fight it out with the Wampas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. I've got a uh, a no, I don't know how many pack of four pack of uh, Mando, Grogu, mm-hmm. and uh, Maldo Crease Ice Spiders. I got to open up here soon. Very looking scary. forward to it. Yeah. yeah. So great. I, yeah. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. So it, it is, it's an overwhelming question because there's so many great and charming creatures. I did go to, to the, the Porgs. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there is that, uh, kind of a bridging story of how, uh, Chewie and Ray ended up on a Black Spire outpost with Hondo right. and, and everything that's set up there. There's, I, I don't even know what, what, what grade level it is. Middle age, whatever. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> Not adult, but blooming. I don't know. That's awful. Um, whatever it is. I haven't read that book. And I think that kind of handles the Porg infestation. But I don't care. I would like to see in in live action or animated. I would like to see uh, just a couple Porgs end up on a planet because of uh, the events of Last Jedi. And they just infest massively. Mm-hmm. Massive infestation. I want to mm-hmm. see massive Porg infestations across the galaxy. <laughs> I'd love that. And yeah, what havoc does it wreak? You know? Yeah. What joy does it bring? Yep. Yep. There definitely some ecosystem issues with the porks. That would be very, very fun. Um, A a weird one is that we, of course, know all all know our beloved uh, Quackian monkey lizards, Salacious B. Crumb. We're going to see a tree full of Quackian monkey lizards. Uh, That one episode of the animated show Star Wars Resistance introduced the Quackian ape lizard right <laughs> just just like salacious yeah. b crumb uh, got some gamma radiation and turned into the hulk <laughs> uh, like animal at the be- end of the first muppet movie <laughs> yes so i'd like to see the quackian ape lizard uh smash through some things uh last two uh the fractal um the fractal uh you know boga by name in revenge of the sith i've always loved the weird noises i've loved the weird it's a uh, it's a kind of a dinosaur lizard, but it's got feathers. Uh, the the amazing call, the bond with Obi-Wan. I know some people of our generation who did not like the prequels uh, don't like the Varactyl, but I love them. And I would like to see them in the Old Republic setting. I would like to see a thousand Jedi riding a thousand Varactyl into battle against a thousand Sith. Sign me up. You got go picture, kid. That's amazing. <laughs> No, and, I, and I'm, I'm one of those ones that probably didn't like Boga as much as I should have in 2002. But your joy for Boga and the Varactyls overall has definitely bled over to me. And I just love it. Thematically, it works on a lot of levels. But even I think I was one of the ones of the whistle. I don't know, it was a cowboy picture. And, everything, and I just got I got hung up on that. But that creature has won me over over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That call is, is so powerful and haunting. And uh, yeah. Love Boga. Uh, my final one is, I think, uh, maybe making a comeback. I believe we maybe saw a flash in a trailer. Um, but I want the return of the Zillow Beast. Um, right. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the Zillow Beast episodes in, in the Clone Wars are two of my favorites. They're really playing with uh, the whole history of, of the of kaiju filmmaking i recently watched the original godzilla movie the actual you know made in japan by japanese artists wrestling with japanese issues of the time you know in it and in that that kind of ground zero of of a, of a kaiju story and the zilla beast is so tied to that um and i i, I know we kind of left it off of uh hey palpatine's experimenting with it right um yeah. 
I, I don't know if this fits into the timeline, but the thing that jumped into my mind is like, I, I don't think it's entirely resolved in Star Wars storytelling of when the last holds of Imperials on, on Coruscant were, were chased out after, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jakku. Uh, I would love it if, you know, uh, the Zillow Beast escaped and finished off the last remnants of the Empire on Coruscant. <laughs> I got revenge. <laughs> Exploding from the bowels of the Coruscant to rip the Imperials down. Yeah, the Zillow Beast stuff... That was one too on, on on reexamination. Really opened up my eyes to the powerful uh, story told in those uh, those episodes. Love that's a great answer. And yeah, looking at maybe the Bad Batch, right? Yeah, be cool. Yeah, I think we saw an eye that seemed Zillow Beast esque in the trailer. If memory mm-hmm. if memory serves, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm very excited. Uh, maybe we'll we'll see the Zillow Beast burst forth from its containment in Coruscant. I really hope so. Love that. All right. Uh, we are down then to our final question. It is coming to us from Anakin Crespin. Hello, Anakin. Anakin's got a great start, uh, <laughs> a yeah. classic start to his question. Do want a Wonga for center? I do want a Wonga. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking. Uh, Anakin continues. My question today is simple, but none of us may really know the answer due to the limited amount of Luke Skywalker content post Return of the Jedi. Who do you think would win in a lightsaber duel? Revenge of the Sith era Grandmaster Yoda or Jedi Master Luke Skywalker in his prime? I'm talking Shadow of the Sith, Rise of Kylo Ren, and even The Last Jedi. Feel free to factor in Force abilities as well, as we all know that in lightsaber duels, the Force is used more often than not for both attack and defense. Thanks, and may the Force be with you. Ken, we have not answered a straightforward who'd win in a fight question in a while. So where do you go with this one? I start here and, and I'm going to need your, your help on this. Why are they fighting? I, I, the why <laughs> of this is, to, is tormenting my soul. Why is it a, just a sparring match? It doesn't seem like this question's uh, proposing a sparring match. It seems like it's a real fight. So my heart breaks, they'd be fighting, but where, where do you start in, in that, in that regard? Yeah, no, I, I think if I think about them uh, actually fighting, uh, well, they've both lost already. Yeah. They, they've lost by fighting at all. Neither of them wins. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about, you know, an actual fight, something's gone wrong, you know? Yeah. And, and I do think in some ways that, you know, all of my answers are about where are they at? What is going on with them? Yeah. You know, if there's a reason that they're fighting, that's going to affect their relationship with the force, their relationship with one another. Uh, I, I think for me, I have the, the head cannon, for example, that uh, uh, Obi-Wan is, is a, a competent, uh, fighter and he can often beat very powerful Vader because he 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 gets him right, but yeah. Dooku gets in Obi Wan's head and Obi Wan just flounders when he tries to to go up against Dooku. You know, uh, that's just kind of an example of I think the the dynamics that come into a fight that aren't about power, right? Um, so that's that I think that's where a lot of my thoughts are going to come from of uh, where they're at, where are they at? If yep. it's a big fight or if just sparring, if just if they're just sparring at their height, it's still about where they're at. True. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, and that's and because skill wise, sticking to the eras, I think especially what we've read in Shadow of the Sith and most of Rise of Kylo Ren, Luke, uh, you know, Luke is ready to go. He's got the skills. He might be the most powerful uh, in the land. Uh, well, there's not a lot of Jedi around there to compare him, but overall, I think he'd rank high. I think he put him there. But Revenge, Revenge of the Sith era, Yoda. We've seen that. We've got a lot of force powers going. Uh, we got, we got, we got, it's almost a push. I don't mean force push, but it's almost a push. Mm-hmm. I think they both have super skills. So I did go to where you went, where I was, I, my answer was almost with no hesitation going to be Luke Skywalker from that era. Just seemed mm-hmm. like if you rank in powers, you rank in X buttons, you can press on a controller. He's got more of them. Right. But then I thought about, well, the time we saw them together, it's a little later in Luke's life. And Yoda was a force ghost, but, Yoda had the advantage over him, not physically, just kind of where his mind was at. So I think your point is very valid <laughs> where they are and how there's uh, Luke being wowed by a tree ca- catching on fire and the riddle of the books and what Ray has. Uh, so I think Yoda would be able to get into that. But then on the flip side, to counter my own argument, this Revenge of the Sith era Yoda is just about to learn the powerful lesson of failure. It's just about to understand that it might have been his hubris or even the Jedi's hubris that led him to this point. He just came off that big lesson that we saw in the Clone Wars where he faced down his own hubris and his own fears and his own powers and problems. And he has uh, he has a little uh, opening, a little hole in that armor there that Luke might, might be able to get at and, and use Yoda's um, 
again, not cockiness, not arrogance, but just that inherent Jedi hubris that was run around during that time and, and use it against them. So I'm, I'm putting all my information in the deck, but I'd still say, I, I, I still say Luke just on powers. Mm, mm. Yeah. So I think, I think for me, it, it, I, I totally agree with you with all of the, the emotional set sense, mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, uh, uh, for Luke's mindset, if he's balanced and ready in a sparring session, I think they are evenly matched. Uh, not just on power, maybe maybe even Luke has you know uh, risen to such a, a level, such understanding that he's maybe a little bit more powerful. Well, Yoda's got other advantages, right? You know, his height is is a different. Uh, Yoda probably has knowledge, right? I almost think this would be a knowledge battle. Luke has spent so many years going around trying to learn everything about the Jedi, every obscure fact, every bit of history, every obscure technique and power, right? So I think the things that Yoda would normally pull out of like, I lived through this fighting technique that maybe you didn't haven't heard of, you know, I have this specific, you know, fighting style that combines literal, you know, uh, force powers, uh, when exactly to use that little burst of force speed that tires you. So all these kind of things. And, and I think Luke has studied so hard mm-hmm. and wants to be so perfect. I think Yoda would be shocked to find out, like, the things that Yoda's lived through and knew of experience, Luke's researched. He's done his homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's found every ancient YouTube how-to video about every Force ability, and he knows it back and forth. So I think if it was, like, a battle of just, like, knowledge, I think mm-hmm. uh, they might be evenly matched. Um, right. Right. But if Luke is at all in the place that we do see him in toward in the last Jedi or even in shadow of the Sith, where he's a little, he's, he's very powerful, but he's a little, you know, uh, not sure about mm-hmm. if there's some things coming up that he doesn't understand. Right. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. He, he, when he kind of half force projects to Exegol and doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, his father, uh, helps out spoilers for the book. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, if Luke's got even the tiniest crack of doubt or fear, he's done. Yes, he's done. Yoda's got him because Yoda will be able to perceive that. Um, yeah, and, he's, um, and you're right. He's feeling that kind of stuff in Shadow of the Sith. It's creeping. He, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. And if it is some weird world between worlds, and and Yoda steps off of his uh, his uh, battle with Sidious, uh, <laughs> shaken about his own role, and how do we fight this fight when fighting Sidious only makes him more powerful? And then Yoda's off balance, and Luke's got him. I think it really is about. Uh, it's about raw power, but it is also about knowledge. And more than anything, uh, this is always a fight where you're fighting yourself, right? Yes. Uh, it, it, is Luke or Yoda going to master their fears better? Mm-hmm. And over, if that's the question, over the course of history, perhaps Yoda does more. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if I were on the sidelines and watching this fight, mm-hmm. I would simply yell out to Luke Skywalker, Use the force and watch your ankles. Uh, would you Would you shout out any advice? Uh, I would say stop fighting. For the love of God, both of you stop fighting. <laughs> uh, yours is the correct answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, you can imagine a bunch of other fans like really excited to watch them fight. And we're like, don't fight. Don't fight. Stay down. Stay down. Yeah. Uh, shake and make up. <laughs> You're both friends yeah <laughs> you don't need to do this to prove anything anyway uh we are having fun pretending to have little shouty voices but that was a great question by anakin very very fun uh that's it for our questions but we do have a power of the light side entry put out this call to our patrons on patreon if you have just a fun positive moment in your fandom in your life walking with star wars that you want to share uh we ask you to submit them we have uh several so we'll be sharing some over the next few weeks and like i said if you're a patron and you want to do that just check for the posts the one today comes from brian babcock brian says hey four center friends star wars is a very important part of my life I often think back to growing up with the original trilogy. I was born in 1986, so thankfully I didn't have to wait three torturous years between the release of each original film. I only had to wait three torturous years between the prequels. However, I was so young, three years old, when my parents showed me the original trilogy, I unfortunately have absolutely no recollection of my first viewing. I feel I've always known that Vader was Luke's father, that Luke and Leia are siblings, etc., I never felt I got to experience that magic of seeing the galaxy far, far away for the first time. 
though this slight disappointment was offset by the fact that it's something I was able to bond with both my parents over. They divorced when I was six, but my mom was already down for a THX, uh, always down for a THX digitally enhanced VHS marathon on a rainy day weekend. My dad, on the other hand, put up with me watching the original trilogy almost on repeat and took me to see each special edition movie at the theater four times. When the Power of the Force 2 figures came out in 1995, it became a weekend ritual that he and I would go on the hunt for new ones. He seemed to enjoy buying them for me almost as much as I enjoyed getting them. Even to this day, I'm now 36 years old and my dad will still find Star Wars figures at the shop and buy some for me. I still make it a point of tradition to go see each new theatrically released Star Wars film at the theater with my dad at least once and watch the premiere of any new live action Star Wars show with him. It's a tradition I hope to carry on for many, many more years to come. Thanks for taking the time to read my story and may the force be with you. That is a great story, Brian. Ken, do you have any thoughts or reactions? My first thought and reaction is, you know, so Brian is 10 years younger than me, which means I was 20 around that time, 1920, buying the power of the force figures, which means I was probably reaching over a kid like Brian to steal the figures. <laughs> Brian, I apologize if that was you and that Toys R Us in Santa Maria, California. Uh, I feel bad. That was the first time I experienced that where I was still a kid, but like, I was like, yeah, in the toy aisle fighting seven year olds. <laughs> uh, and so I get it. So first of all, I apologize. But second, now this is great. And Star Wars beat a generational tale and generational saga it, it shows up all the time and, and i love hearing this even during what might have been a tough time uh you know parents uh, separating divorce but you have star wars to, to get you through it and, and i love the idea of like hey you know my dad wasn't necessarily like yeah let's do it but he didn't back away he took you to see the films he's still connected with you over it that's powerful stuff there i don't necessarily i have a different relationship with star wars and my parents they still kind of are they get what I do, but they don't want to understand what I do. And that's mm. fine. That's fine. So they didn't really sit down and watch Star Wars with me. It was just that silly thing I watched. And so I love hearing these kind of stories where it's experienced in a bit of a different way. And I have no regrets and everything's great. My parents are very supportive of what I do now. But like, you know, it just, it wasn't, that. it was me. I had me uh, and I felt uh, that was it. And I didn't realize so many other fans were out there and I connect with them a little bit later in life. So Brian, I love your tale. It's a great tale. Yeah, it is a really great uh, example of how it, how this uh, saga can so connect to our our lives in lots of different ways. But I think a lot of us have some version of uh, a parent story, right? Of sometimes parents introduce kids to it, uh, like it sounds like uh, maybe happened with Brian, but then have that sort of like uh, the parents kind of like Star Wars, but it's more almost the bond <laughs> yeah. with the child, you know. And and I have a, a great history of that with. With my dad, who, you know, so supported how much I loved these movies and, you know, got me action figures. And uh, he doesn't entirely understand. Uh, he gets that I do a podcast about Star Wars and it's, you know, that it that it's going well and he asked me about it. But then sometimes he'll <laughs> like uh, earlier this year, he's like, so uh, I hear that uh, that Ewan McGregor is doing another Star Wars. Did you know about that? And it's like it's. <laughs> <laughs> I've done 87 hours of recording about it, dad. I, I do know I do. And like, he means it's so nice, you know, but it's just a different world than the world he grew up in. You know, I love that. I, this is totally off, but I it, it, totally unrelated, but I, I feel the same energy. I'll still get texts from friends on like a Friday. Hey, have you watched this week's Andor? Like, do you, do you not know what I do? <laughs> do you not understand that I have to watch it 1201 that night? I have to watch it. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I really love what Brian is saying about continuing this tradition with his dad and, and still seeing them mm -hmm. in the theater with the dad, with his dad. And as I've mentioned uh, before, um, I really think my dad would like Mandalorian. He loves mm -hmm. Westerns uh, and he loved Han Solo and that sort of the roguish, the bounty hunter side of Star Wars. Uh, and I so want to sit down and with him and, and see what he makes of Mandalorian. And I'm, I'm hoping to make that happen sooner rather than later. Thanks yeah. for the uh, inspiration, Brian. Love that. Love that. Absolutely great stuff. Thank you all for the questions. Thanks for the power of the light side submission. If you want to submit questions, we do also have a post going on our uh, Patreon. And for right now, uh, we have questions on our Twitter pinned uh, to our, our page as a request for questions on Twitter. Who knows what's happening with social media? We're in a tumultuous time. So who knows? Maybe we will be um, 
telling you to ask us uh, questions on Branker. And who knows? Who knows what it's going to be next? We used to cake each other on peach, whatever that means. We did that for five minutes. So who knows? We'll be asking you for questions. But right now it is still on Twitter. Uh, Ken, you want to let people know where they can find us? Peach lasted a weekend. It literally was a weekend. <laughs> I think actual peaches last longer than Peach yeah. did. I, it was, I was in New Orleans for an event on a Friday day. I signed up and by Monday, no one was using it. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Yes, here's where you can find us. We are on Twitter for CenterPod. We are on Hive. By the time you hear this, I might have uh, spruced it up there if I can remember how to log back in. Uh, you can find us there at Force Center. No pod on that one. Our Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, thanks for those who watch the live Q&A. And we got more common and more YouTube-related content coming your way very soon. Subscribe subscribe over there. Also, we've been asking for that goal uh, to uh, get to 6,500 subscribers at the time of this recording. We're up 50, about 100 away for our goal. So subscribe over there and help us reach our YouTube dreams. Podcast available on, on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search or find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Find me at Cadnapsock across all social media platforms, including Hive. And you can uh, go to my website for more information uh, on things I do. Cadnapsock.com uh, is the spot for that. I'll be selling personalized copies of my book, Why We Love Star Wars, via the website. So go to that website. My shop will uh, take you there. All right, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you could find me on all the social media. Hive, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, do follow me there. It is great uh, to connect with everyone. Uh, you can check out my YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for Joseph Scrimshaw for more short films and comedy coming soon. And yeah, that is it. So for myself, for Ken, for Quacky and Eight Lizards, this has been Cues of the Force. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.